This episode is brought to you by the Commercial Bank of Grayson, McFarland Murray Chevrolet, and our contributors at Patreon. Welcome back to Beyond the Walls podcast. We are coming to you live, not well, we're recording live. You're not going to be listening to this live, thank goodness, because of the multitude of edits that I have to go back and do once we get done with a recording session. But we are here at FCC Grayson. We are stashed away in the nursery uh, with no AC. Uh, we found out a little bit earlier that yep. the unit was off, so we are suffering for the sake of the podcast yes, right now. Uh, and I'm joined this evening by Aaron Baldwin. He is back with us. Aaron, welcome back. We've missed you, man. Good evening, Ben. I've been uh, you know tolling away in the complaints department, uh, good, yeah. and, you know, keeping track of all the things that have been sent in to a Baldwin at Beyond the Wall. Um, and you know it's just a it's a tough job when it you is. try to sort through all the things that you and Mike have brought upon us. Oh yeah, you know that's. <laughs> but see, here's the beautiful thing is we're going to be able to throw Walker underneath oh, the bus okay. this Excellent. episode. So Excellent. all so complaints, go, all complaints yeah. go to M Walker M. at Beyond yeah. the Walls. Absolutely. So, uh, but we are here. Like I said, we're we're at VBS. We've kind of stowed away in the uh, quietest. I'm not going to say that it's going to be quiet because. You're probably yeah. already hearing some stuff in the background. Yeah, a so background you, you, noise you're right going to. This you. is by n- in no means. A We're day. the furthest away from the young people. Yeah, at this moment. At this anyhow. moment, they um, may run through the hallway. Yeah, in absolutely. Any time. It sounds like a <laughs> herd of elephants coming through here. But it's uh, it's by far you know it's not a dead room. It's not a studio. So it's going to have a little bit of a different sound mm-hmm. to it, and that's okay. And like I said, there's going to be people talking out in the hallways. We're just going to go with it. Uh, So we just ask for your graces, but this is one of the things. This was a really easy place for us to be able to come together, uh, be able to do a little bit of recording. So we are here. Since Walker and I have established a new tradition, we will just go ahead and say that, did you know that the fun fact of the day is that the average commute in America... I've heard it's 21 minutes. That's what they tell me. Maybe Mike has a 21-minute drive here. And that's what's going on with (laughs) you. All right, so we are... uh, We're we're going to go back into um, part two. This is going to be part two of our series on John Huss. We will go ahead and throw this disclaimer out there. If you have not heard... Part one, mm-hmm. it would be uh, it would be to your benefit to go back now if, if you're just kind of coming into this cold, if this is maybe the first time that you've listened to Beyond the Walls and you're still listening uh, <laughs> after our, our little ranting there at the beginning, uh, <laughs> go ahead, hit the pause button, go back uh, three or four episodes, sure. uh, find John Huss part one, because that lays out a lot of the history we went through at, at quite a breakneck speed through several years there just to kind of get us up to really what was leading up to the Council of Constance. Yes. Um, Maybe even really who John Huss was. Yeah, yeah. Because he's kind of a random historical figure for lay people. Mm-hmm. You know, anyone who's associated with the Renaissance, though, or at the Reformation, I apologize. The Reformation, you know, John Huss is a central figure. Absolutely. And so for those of you that may not be familiar with that European historical, I mean, I, I teach it. And I wasn't familiar with John Huss before we started the, you know, my Reformation pretty much starts with uh, Martin Luther. Martin Luther, as absolutely. Just about and everyone Church else. Church of Wittenberg, and yeah. that's just where we go. Yeah, the, the 95 Thesis. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, and, and we actually have gone back even earlier uh, than John Huss. We did um, you know, on Wycliffe, on mm-hmm. John Wycliffe. And, mm-hmm. and Wycliffe not Wycliffe ins- John. No, not Wycliffe John. We moved past that. Uh, we're, we're glad that we've moved on. Um, <laughs> but so, you know, I had to say it. Absolutely. You can't one just, time. You just, uh, 
Yeah, I may be reconsidering the fact that Walker is the most <laughs> off of center co host that we have. It's the heat, Ben. It, that, that's it's what the heat. It it's, it's messing with him. It's all, that's not, all it is. We're not, on the heat. we're not built for this type of weather. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, hey, if you've not heard the uh, the episodes on John Wycliffe, also just go ahead and, and take a moment and listen to that as it's all leading. We're, we're kind of. There's multiple ro- roads seem to be coming into one here, and, and mm. believe it or not, that's that's been done purposefully, uh, because by now we have concluded our series on the Voynich Manuscript, and we will talk about that a little bit as we mm. go along here, and we're actually, we're, we're going to be able, not like we've been putting content out, you know, at breakneck speed here, uh, but we're, we're actually, we made a decision a couple days ago just to kind of pump the brakes a little bit, and just be able to... Um, kind of slow up here with John Huss, and that's we're we're really excited about that because we have we've gotten our hands on some of the letters uh, that he has written, and you know you can find a lot of them online, uh, but this is we've gotten a little bit of an insider look. We've had someone step up and say, "Hey, I don't don't want any credit. Don't want you telling you know who I am." But Here's some resources for you as you guys go through this. So we do thank that certain listener mm-hmm. who is um, not on um, our continent soils, Oh, by the way. Excellent. Uh, that has so graciously sent us this uh, material. So we are going to kind of take a letter-by-letter look at uh, John Huss. It's going to be the ones that he has authored, the ones that he has written, sent out, and there's actually some correspondence back and forth that we've got our hands on that someone would write him, he would write back, and and so on and so forth. So we're going to be looking this um, this episode, we're going to start with some of the letters that he penned mm-hmm. in the year 1408. Um, and just as you, um, if you have listened to the Voynich Manuscript and you're familiar with that at all, um, you know, it's, it's carbon dating was anywhere from the year, I believe it was 1404 to 1438. Right. So one of the main theories for that on the list of thousands, mm-hmm. because it's a it's an untranslated codex, basically. Right. No one knows what it is. No one knows what it's referring to. But we have this record of it, and, and carbon dating puts the, the vellum cover, the parchment, the uh, illustrations, the iron gall ink, all of that, everything's carbon dating to 1404 to 1438 on that. And one of the main theories is that it is a um, reformational language. Mm-hmm. It is a language that was developed by the reformers, the right. church reformers of the age, the Protestants, that they could communicate without the Catholic Church being able to sure. uh, understand code, yeah, uh, it's yeah. code. It's it, it's a code. I, I mean, we go back to the earliest uh, examples of the church, and you know the ichthus, yes, being plastered all over the catacombs of Rome um, as the indication for where Christians are meeting. Mm-hmm. And the ichthus by the ichthus, you're meaning like the Jesus fish, the Jesus symbol. fish, yes. absolutely the the actual the actual word um, is a what am I trying to say here? Acronym mm-hmm. for Jesus Christ, God's Son, Savior. Yes. And it is I-X-O-Y-E, yeah, yeah. which in that language spelled out the word ichthus, mm-hmm. which meant fish. Right. Which is why it all comes back to being a fish. Mm-hmm. So if you saw a fish in the Roman catacombs, it didn't mean fish. It meant this is a place where worshipers of the way or worshipers of Christ were gathering. And so... You know, as 
these people, these Protestants, um, I could totally see that because they they were trying to harken back to more of okay. So what were these people? What were the the church establishers in Acts attempting to do? That's what we need to attempt to do. Mm-hmm. And, and I and I so I could see them using a codex. Um, a code system to communicate because that's what those guys were doing. They were being persecuted. Yeah. Funny enough, in Rome, from people from Rome, um, they were being persecuted for their belief system. So, you know, I could see a codex being a thing that they use. Now, you and I have talked about the Voynich Manuscript. I don't necessarily believe that. Right. Yeah. But, 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 but I mean, the dating is interesting. Mm-hmm. 1404 to 1438 is very interesting in the timeline and time span of the Reformation. So, Mm -hmm. you know, hey, maybe if we take a few of those leaps, maybe Mm -hmm. it is something to do with Reformation. And that's, uh, you know, go back and listen to the the Voynich Manuscript episodes if you you are so inclined, because it's it's pretty intriguing. Mm -hmm. Uh, And one of the most intriguing parts about it is the fact that you can, you really cannot confirm, nor can you really deny any theory, right? As crazy or as fringe or conservative as it is, right. I think the best point that you made about it is, uh, I think it's the beginning of the second show, and you said usually with mysteries and myths and and conspiracy theories, you have shreds of evidence, mm-hmm. and in this case, you're holding the evidence. Yeah, the, yeah. The, I mean, it's, you say it's online. You can download the PDF. It's a kind of PDF it's version of Yale. it. You can actually go up and see the original, the actual piece. You can go, you can't check it out. Mm-hmm. You can yeah, view yeah, it. They're, they're kind of good. They kind yeah, of they don't, it. Yeah, they don't like let you touch those books. Maybe maybe we need a road trip and like take a national treasure. Ooh, and we're going to steal the we Declaration can, We of can uh, liberate it from yeah. its yeah. holders yeah. and we can break the codex. Yeah, let's hope nobody steals it. <laughs> no, from the next yeah, after this we will be finger printed. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but no, I mean, I think, um, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head. This is one of those things that's. You know, we all have our theories about the moon landing. We all have our mm-hmm. theories about JFK. We all have our theories about these big conspiracies because there are shreds of evidence. Mm-hmm. The Zapuder film, Zap- what, Zapuda? Mm-hmm. Z- the film with JFK. Yep. You know, why did it just disappear? Where's the guy that's across the street filming from the other angle that would be totally getting the sh- Where does that guy... How did he not think, I have the greatest piece of film in the history of film? Did it not develop? Did somebody right. else get to him first? Right. Did he throw it away? What, mm-hmm. You know, where, where did that... But it's shreds. And, and that's what builds such a good conspiracy is that, yes. you know, having those elements <laughs> of the unknown exactly. and the not at our fingertips. And like, you know, with, with the Voynich Manuscript, it's just one of those things that we've got the entirety it's of. It's just it. sitting right there in front of yeah. you and you and, can't do anything And we still can't it. do anything. Exactly. Um, all right. So, so <laughs> on, to, on to Huss here. Like I said, we, I, I do want to kind of let the streams come together as they can. I don't want to force them to come together. So we're not sitting here making any type of claims that the Voynich Manuscript is Reformation code. That's just one of those theories no. out there. And, and the time frame fit. Yes. I mean, the time frame fits. That's so. the, I think that's the part that's most convenient for people like us, mm-hmm. is that where it comes from, what was central to these people's lives. You know, it's coming from Central Europe. What's central to their lives is Christian ethos, mm-hmm. the Catholic Church. What's the biggest thing going on in the Catholic Church this time? They are weeding out... You know, people who are in their minds heretical. Mm-hmm. Okay, so there you go. Yeah, you've got some context about what's going on, time and place. You know, events surrounding, and then this weird thing happens to pop out of it. 
you know, you, you, that's not too many leaps. No, no. It's not too many leaps. No, not too bad. So <laughs> on to John Huss now, finally, as we, Sorry. As, oh no, as, as we get, you know, into the, into the teen minutes of the episode here, we're, we're now getting to John Huss, but to recap just a little bit, um, we are, you know, looking at John Huss, John Huss was born in around the six or 1363 mm-hmm. area. His, his date of birth is disputed a little bit. Uh, he was, he was born. Um, into poverty. Mm-hmm. I mean, just absolute poverty, um, which was not uncommon during this time frame. Not uncommon at no. all. It wasn't an abject poverty. I mean, pretty much everybody was poor. Mm-hmm. There were very few um, upwardly mobile people, let's put it that way. Um, but Huss took a route that might have allowed him some upward mobility. Yeah. yeah, because, I mean, he saw that, you know, again, we've discussed this numerous times, and we won't go into depths on it, but whenever you have this this village or this area where people are populating and everyone, everyone is in the same situation, everyone is living in, um, it, it, they have shelter and yeah. that's it. You know, I and mean, they it's have nothing. enough sustenance to get them to day two or yep. day three or whatever. Hopefully. Day. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I mean, yep. you could, I mean, like this was, this was the time period. And, you know, we try, I think we try to set this for people because, you know, for me, it's easy to see history because it's what I do. Mm-hmm. I think it's easy for you to see history because it's kind of what you do because mm-hmm. you delve into podcasts so much. But for some people, it's not really easy to see history. So yeah, it's romanticized. Yeah, we exactly. Romanticize you have it. to yeah. you have to imagine a time and a place where you know you didn't contact outside villages for several weeks. It was mm-hmm. not you know it wasn't it was not uncommon to go several weeks without seeing someone foreign coming in. I don't mean foreign from another country. I mean foreign from another town. Yes. And, and and you know there there are written records of people showing up to towns that no longer exist because all the people are no longer there because a they've either died from some sort of illness or sustenance is gone and they've had to leave. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they've been forced to go elsewhere. I mean, can we imagine driving to one of our neighboring cities and there's no one there? Mm-hmm. There there's some feral cats and feral dogs running around and that's it. Yeah. I don't know if I can wrap my mind around yeah. it, but that's what these people were living yeah. in. So that's yeah. kind of where we are. Right, and that's kind of the picture that you get of the village, the towns, whatever you know, mm-hmm. you want to you refer to them as. But then there was the church. A shining beacon. I mean, it was... Midpoint. Yeah, it was, it was immaculate. It was ordained. It was ornate. Yes. Um, and all of a sudden you see the clergy yep. that are living there, and they're living well. Mm-hmm. I mean, now, for again, for our standards... We may not consider it "quote unquote" well, but they're clean. They're clean. They're clothed. They're educated. Mm-hmm. They're fed better than the random people that are outside. And I think the other part of it that we have to understand about that the the Catholic Church, especially in that time period, it was a center of life. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like Everything every festival revolved around every that. traveling. You know, you got to imagine like, and they came, and people God. came into town for that. Oh yeah, that was the attraction. Like, if something was going on, number one, it was going on at the church, and the hillsides and the valleys surrounding the city emptied, and the people came into the cities. You would have had markets around the church. You would have had, you know, commerce going on around the church. Not in the church. Mm-hmm. That was kind of frowned upon when Jesus overturned the tables in the temple and. Like, don't do that, my father's. Yeah, and, and we could we could have we could have no corruption within the church at this time period. I mean, that just wouldn't happen. Like, oh, what? I couldn't. Anyhow, trailing did, off. Did that I one. catch a niner in that? It looks like a lot no, of people I, go to college for seven years. Exactly, they're called doctors. They're called doctors. Um, 
it, it, it's just one of those things. Like if you were a child with any ambition, and we consider children to all have ambition nowadays, but at that time period they didn't. Mm-hmm. Again, there is no upper mobility. Mm-hmm. It's you're not going to do better than your parents. Yeah, you are going to be your parents. Your goal is to be them and to sustain survive to that life. time exactly. And and like again, I don't know that we can fathom that. But that's what these people dealt with. Mm-hmm. You are going to be your parents. That is the exact same life you're going to live. You are going to be a serf. You're going to live on a lord's lands. You're going to farm those lands. You're going to produce offspring. And then you're going to die. Mm-hmm. Period. Next generation, please. And so, <laughs> so people with ambition were few and far between because it was almost seen as something being wrong with you. Um, you were a threat, mm-hmm. um, but Huss was really, really smart. Yeah, and the church was almost like the Jedi Council, mm-hmm. <laughs> and they were keeping their eyes out for any Padawans. Yeah, with the that, high midichlorian count, absolutely, yeah. that might be out there and be able to be indoctrinated quickly enough and educated uh, just enough to where they became part of the fold that was keeping people within the flock. Yeah. I mean, that's the whole goal. Yeah, and that, and that's really that's what attracted him. You yeah, know, that, that's what attracted. It Wouldn't attract you? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, let, let's not let's not you know pass any judgment or, or you know have righteous indignation. No, gosh, lead no. our comments here because well, I, I mean, and we, that's what we do. We read the comment that Huss even said. I joined the church at first for the luxurious way that I saw these people yep. living. Yep. That's that's just amazing, and he, you know, he was like you said, he was very educated. He was very smart. Yes. Uh, by the time you know he went um, went through his training, went through all of that process, found himself at the University of Prague as a major player mm-hmm. there. Uh, began uh, pastoring at a you know Bohemian church, a Bethlehem uh, church there, and he he began to make a, a few waves. And we talked about those in episode one, mm-hmm. so we won't go in, into those. In great detail just sure. yet. Because there's there's three or four letters here that I okay. want us to look at in this episode. I will and, open my first letter. And let's. I, what I want to do is I want to read this. So I, I ask for your grace just a little bit. This is some of these. Some of this is in old, old English. Uh, not a lot of it because it's been translated right. and translated a little bit mod, into a little bit modern terms. But it, it's they're going to be lengthy, uh, and I do want you to understand that as because I want to read the letters in their entirety. Yeah, and there's not any really way to get around that. No, we can't no, no, them. we we can't we can't we can't abridge. <laughs> it's a these. different way that they. It's a, so first off and foremost, everybody who's listening right now, all 17 of you, or the. 50,000 that listened to uh, the other episode. That was crazy. I'm Probably not going to happen. Yeah, yeah. You don't have that guest on right now, so sorry. <laughs> sorry, 32 of you. Back to it, though. Back, back to the strong 32. Um, you know, it's just they, they speak, they think, they write in a different format. Mm-hmm. And so when you hear it, you're going to be like, wow, that's... It's kind of weird. Well, that's just how they yeah. did things. Well, and they didn't. Um, they did not get wordy back then either. Nope. They said what nope. they had to say because, again, all of these... All of these materials, something that we just take in, in endless supply, they did not have an endless nope. supply, and they had to... And by materials, you mean pen, paper. Pen, paper. Simplistic. Yeah, simplistic stuff that we just take for granted. It's like, yeah. oh, out of ink, throw that one away. Right. Uh, that's even if you still use ink to write with, and yeah. it's not click, click, My click Google on a keyboard. My Drive is a terabyte, yeah. so I'm okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, so this first one is to the Archbishop of Prague. This is John Huss writing to the Archbishop of Prague on June 30th, 
1408. So the Holy Roman, uh, the, the Roman Catholic churches, it, this is their dude in Prague. Yes, this is, um, you could see as a, like a regional overseer yes. Yes. type thing, regional bishop. You know, I mean, the archbishop, he is the head yep. of this church. So he speaks for the Pope yep. in Prague. I was going to say he is. Which he, basically makes him the central figure of religious authority in Central Europe yes. at this time period. Yes. Okay. That's yep. all, I just want to make sure I was yep. correct. Absolutely. Quote, Most Reverend Father, your obedient servant in the faith and truth of our Lord Jesus Christ. I very often remind myself how at the beginning of your rule, your reverence laid it down as a regulation that whenever I noticed any laxity of discipline, I should report it at once, either personally or, failing this, by letter. It is in accordance with this regulation that I am now forced to make a statement to the effect that incestuous and criminal persons are escaping rigorous correction. They go about without restraint like untamed bulls and runaway horses and outstretched necks, while humble priests who pluck away the thorns of sin and fulfill their duties under your rule in an excellent spirit, who shun avarice and give themselves freely for God's sake to the work of preaching the gospel, are thrown into prison and suffer exile as if... They were heretics for preaching this same gospel. Reverend Father, where is the piety of preventing the preaching of the gospel? The first duty Christ enjoined on his disciples when he said, Preach the gospel to every creature. Where is the discretion of restraining from their toils, diligent and faithful laborers? In truth, in very truth, I cannot think it is your grace, but the madness of others that sows such seed. What poor priest will dare to attack crimes or to inveigh against vices? Truly the harvest is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, Father, pray the Lord of the harvest that he may send faithful laborers into the harvest. For it resteth with your grace to reap the entire harvest of the kingdom of, of Bohemia, to gather it into the Lord's garner and to give an account for every sheaf in the day of, the, in the day of death. But how can so large a multitude of sheaves be stored up by your grace in the Lord's garner if you take away from the reapers their sickle, to wit their power of speech, at the whim of indolent persons who neither reap themselves nor suffer others to do so when their crimes fill the lash of God's word? Herein, alas, is the word of the apostle fulfilled. They will not endure sound doctrine, they will turn away their hearing from the truth, but will be turned unto fables and will heap themselves teachers having itching ears. Verily, this saying of the apostles' will receives fulfillment, seeing that charity hath grown cold among the clergy, and iniquity hath abounded among the people, because the clergy have failed in charity and giving up and given up preaching the gospel and faithful imitation of Christ. For which of us, alas, is following the life of Christ in poverty, chastity, humility, and diligent preaching? Woe, 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 the apostle's word is fulfilled. All seek the things that are their own, not the things that are Jesus Christ. Therefore, most reverend Father, turn your eyes to the things of the Spirit. Love good men, mark the bad. Do not be flattered by the vain and greedy. But delight in men of humble mind and lovers of poverty. Drive the lazy to work. Do not hinder faithful toilers in the Lord's harvest field, for that may not be bound which achieves the salvation of souls. I would write at greater length, 
but I am hindered by the toils of preaching. The Lord Almighty direct the mind of your grace as regards the matter written above, that you may render due account at the fitting time to the shepherd of shepherds. XOXO. <laughs> Can I just say that my favorite part in the whole thing right here, I would write at greater length. Yeah. But I am hindered by the toils of I'm preaching. I'm hindered by the toils of preaching. While you sit in your ivory tower raining down judgment upon good priests like myself, my friends that are out here doing the Lord's work, oh, man, yeah. I, love, I love these guys. Yeah. You know, I love John Wycliffe because of the same thing. Um, they have guts, man. Oh, they, yeah. They have something that, you know, I think is missing in a lot of that gumption. They have righteous indignation, and they are righteous because of it. Mm-hmm. You know, there's something um, back with us there in uh, the very first part. I think I think it's key to understand that he was again. He was well viewed when he first came onto the scene, um, in in in, uh, in his first. Um, what am I trying to say? His first. Assignment as a pastor, he was well. He was well liked, and he had some higher up people that liked him. Mm-hmm. So I think we have a hint of why Huss uh, feels he's able to go out and make these statements. If you look at his early career, he gets some appointments that maybe he probably I don't want to say didn't deserve, but you know there are appointments that obviously somebody above him sees some qualities in him, sees some things that. You know, this guy's an up-and-comer. We need to get him out in the field mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. And so because of this, he earns some favors. He goes and investigates some things for the Catholic Church. He's very much a part of their future as in this guy's this guy is one of our solidified people. Mm-hmm. He's gonna be he's gonna continue to carry our flag forward. Yeah. And and you're you're referencing we talked about this in the first episode, but the uh, the Wills knack mm-hmm. uh, when he went and, and investigated some of those things. Right. You know, there were some false um claims of um uh, heavenly intervention going on and he went and disproved it yep. and basically said don't do this to the catholic church and he's a good catholic at this point in time um but he has changed he has changed and i think that's the key yeah. go ahead, and, go ahead. And, well and as we will see in these letters he he's never he he never really Falls away from the Catholic faith no, as no, far no, as no, doctrinally. No, no, no. He just challenged some of the corruption well, that goes exactly. on. Exactly. That's that's the thing. All right. So he enters in. We talk about he enters in this clergy with this with this heavy metal rock star mm-hmm. lifestyle that he sees. Oh man, this I want to grow up and be one of those guys. And then he goes through all the indoctrination. He's like, this is awesome. And then they give him his own church, and he goes out. And he's young, and his and his world's on fire, and his heart's on fire, and he's like, "All right, I'm going to go be Jesus and rock star to these people." The only problem is you can't be Jesus and rock star at the same time. Mm-hmm. You can't go live lavish life while preaching a, doc, in a, a doctrine that tells you to, you know, become impoverished, get you know, shirk off all the worldly things. Yeah. And, and you know, what 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 was the direct quote that you read there in the letter? Um, I mean, it's not a direct quote; it's a it's a Bible uh, verse. Um, uh, all 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 seek the things that are their own, not the things that are Jesus Christ. Yeah. Well, I mean, that, look, 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 we we see all these movies, we see all these you know TV shows about the 
typical rock star image. Mm-hmm. We're all that. We're all that in our own times. Look, Ben, VBS snack tonight is is ice cream. Yes. There is a there is a part of me that wants to leave you sitting here and go over there and eat Superman ice cream. Because at the baseline of all of this, we're pretty selfish cats most of the time. I didn't know it was Superman. Exactly. You didn't know, did you? I'm sorry. I'm sorry to be the one to tell you. Now I'm not going to be able to concentrate. (laughs) Exactly. Because we seek the things that make us happy. So so here comes us, and you know we can all see, we can envision ourselves being in this scenario. Here I'm going to come in, I'm going to sweep this town up, and they're going to I'm, they're going to carry me out on their shoulders, and then the the archbishop's going to hear how good I'm doing, and he's going to I'm going to be pre- preaching down at Prague, and and then in ten years I'm going to be back, and I might be a pope, mm-hmm. I might be appointed archbishop. You can almost see it, yeah. you can hear it in the way that and, he writes and, and talks. Yeah, and then and then reality sits and in. And then he, if we're putting it in our modern day terms and a modern day mm-hmm. analogy that we like to use, he got to see how sausage was made. Yes, absolutely. He, he got to see how these people were, you know, and I'm air quoting yeah. here, Jesus and a rock star at yeah, the same time. Absolutely. And that's yeah. And in the the rising star status of this, you know, we've got to remember a little bit of context to this letter. Here mm-hmm. is he's already stirred the pot a little bit. Oh, yeah. With with some of his ties to Wycliffe and, and Wycliffe's teachings. Sure. Um. Again, he didn't agree with everything. That Wycliffe taught about, he didn't no. the transubstantiation right. of the communion. Was, he you know, the, really had a problem the, with the that. bread and the cup. Um, Wycliffe did not believe that it became the actual body and blood of Jesus Christ. Right, Huss did, so he didn't agree with him there. But the one thing that he did find Wycliffe's voice championing in his own heart was the indulgences and the corruption yeah. and all of the lack of piety. And that goes back to when he starts to see. Okay, so now let's put this rock star bit into play. I've got my own church. Now I need I'm going to go need I'm going to need one of those really nice capes mm-hmm. that the bishop down the road 30 miles away he's got I mean it's got golden thread in it. You know, it's four different colors. It's done by an expert craftsman from down, you know, down 100 miles away. So how much is that going to cost? Okay, that's 300 whatever. How do Okay, so do we have 300 whatever laying around? Oh, our coffers are empty. So, well then, how 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 do I get how that? does a bishop raise money? Oh, you tax the people. Oh, you you tax you tax poor people that are already poor and struck, and then you sell them indulgences, which mm-hmm. in your own heart you already believe to kind of be a weird thing anyway. Mm-hmm. And now you're going to do it to buy yourself some fancy clothes. So so then you ask your secretary or your or your economic or economic person, you go. Is this how all of the other bishops are buying? Well, yeah. I mean, that's how they run their a- abbots. That's how they run their their priestly ways. You you know, we we're we're brothers. Uh, you know, we might get a few things here from Rome every now and then, but really, it's we live off the people mm-hmm. of the land. We provide them with services. Good, granted, we educate them. We provide them with health care. You know, we give them a, a religious way, a direction. But yeah, we live off the people. Yeah. And again, going, continuing back a little bit into this context here, mm-hmm. um, I, I believe it's, it's really important for us to look at the, the context of the relationship between Huss and the Archbishop sure. right now because... 
that you can't. I mean, you can't overlook that in the letter, right? <laughs> well, and one of the things is is Hus. You know, we talked about he'd gotten in trouble before. You know, he he'd already been you know leaning the radical Wycliffe. Yes, but. The archbishop, this archbishop, was the one who championed Huss. Yes, and was just like, no, no, this guy's this guy's good. This, he's he, great. He's okay. I've seen him in the. I've seen him coming through our. So, stuff. Yeah, so he was he was taking up for Huss when everybody else was wanting to write him off, and he right. was the one that was making the appointments. Uh, he was the one that was sending him to Bohemia. He was the one that sending him to Prague. Right. He was the one that was doing all of these things in kind of in spite of what everybody else was wanting. So we need to understand the relationship. The that archbishop is Qui Gon Jinn. Yeah. Huss is Anakin Skywalker. For all you Star Wars, it always goes back to Star Wars. I love (laughs) it every time. I love it. But so, so I think that no, no, that's that's a great. We we have to have a lens to be able to look at really what this letter means because again, history the the further detached from it that we are, the easier it is for it to just be letters on a page. Oh, you know, it words is. On a page. Yeah. And, or just numbers and totals. Yeah, and, 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 and this is this is this is words on a page, but this is also a relationship mm. that has been very strong historically, but someone who is writing, as you heard those words in that letter, this is not, hey buddy, how you doing? This is a butt tear. Yeah. Wow. I mean, it's... And this is a subordinate. Yes, if you could imagine writing your boss a letter, calling out all of the things that you think your boss all the things does that, all, all the things that you talk to your family about, now, all the and, things you talk to and, your coworkers about. And, and here's about. the thing, though, Ben. You know, I don't know about your boss. I mean, your boss, I know him pretty well. Um, he won't be listening, so we can say what Oh, that's true, good point. Um, but, like... I don't think he's killing people with the decisions he's making. Oh, no. Huss in this letter says that the decisions the archbishop is allowing to make are leading to the death of good priests. Humble. Humble men. men. Pious men. So that's, you know, we we really just, I I wanted to be able to give a little bit of context to this letter. Yeah, man. And he's just... um, (laughs) Well, you're not just writing a scathing letter saying, Dad, burn it, get off your tail and do your job. This is, Dad, burn it, get off your tail, do your job. Oh, and you committed, a, you were an accessory to murder. Yeah. Yeah. How do you feel about that priestly one? <laughs> I mean, there's some gumption. Yeah. But but here, and wow, this is just to, just to give the listeners a little bit of, of in, insight into some of the off-air discussions that we've had. One of the first things that we talked about is like, you know, we, we're reading over these letters and they're mm-hmm. bringing a lot of insight into what we've been talking about and they're fantastic, but we're still not really for certain why they chose uh, his end fate that they chose at mm-hmm. the end of the Council of Constance. But then we start digging the part a little yeah. bit here and, and you're thinking... Well, these guys, this was kind of their fallback during this time period. Is Oh, you want to challenge me, do you? Yes. Oh, okay. So that's how we're going to play it. All right. Hey, we've got a nice warm fire over here. <laughs> Let, let's well, see how you hold up to and, that. And, and look, for every John Huss, there's five that are not like John Huss that are willing to play that rock star role and do whatever yeah, the archbishop yeah, be, says. Be the puppet. And they might not be as smart as John Huss. Mm-hmm. They might not be as talented. They may not be as gifted. The flock may lose 10 compared to the John Huss, but they are not going to rock the boat in any form or fashion. They're definitely not going to question right. the archbishop, right. and, and they ain't never write yeah. that letter. And to our listeners here, can you, 
can you parallel this to anything that in goes on in your life. in your own life? Yes. That that you may be the one that's trying to make the stand, but there's five others who are right behind you who are the yes men, yes women, and, and they just undercut go, we'll you at every yeah. turn. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean that's that's the thing is like you know, no matter what the reformer is, in this case the reformers are up against the largest, most powerful entity on the face of the earth at this time. You're not up against mom and pop, or you're not up against you know the church, uh, the church eldership down the street that you know there's you know four hundred total members. This is the largest, most powerful entity on the face of the planet at the time. Mm-hmm. And these reformers are taking them on. So for for Huss to call out a bishop mm-hmm. would have been really rough. Yeah. But to call out an the, archbishop? The bishop. I mean, like, we, we're talking one level down from the pope. This was who the pope sent to the different places. Like, we still hear about the archbishop of Canterbury. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the head of the Roman Catholic Church in England. Yep. Still to this day. Yep. We have an Archbishop of New York, don't we? Isn't that the... Yeah. I mean, yeah. so that's the head of the Catholic Church in the United States. Mm. I mean... So it's not like he's just really picking yeah. one person, one step above him, and just picking on him. Yeah, he's this like, is, let's, go, this is, let's go to... He can't write the Pope. Let's go to the Vice President here, exactly. basically. You can't write the Pope and write this. That's not... You, that's almost too much. It yeah. is too much, and he would have known that. Yeah, exactly. But it also tells you some. It gives you some insights. It tells you he has a personal relationship with the archbishop to be able to feel comfortable enough to write like this yeah. to him. Yeah. And it also tells you that he is starting to get some brazenness about yeah. him. And it and, and it almost makes you think that at some point that he really felt like the archbishop was a pious enough man and a, and a godly enough man that th- he shouldn't be doing this. Uh, so I, I'm going to read a, read another letter here because there's so many different tones that you, our listeners, will pick up on in these letters mm-hmm. because it's not all letters that we that we have been been incredibly blessed to to have here. It, it's not all to the Pope or the Archbishop or things. It's to some of his contemporaries, which I think is very telling. It is. There's some to the people in his church when he's being held captive. He writes to some of the people in Bohemia. He writes to the church people. He writes to others. And, but then, and there's different tones mm-hmm. to these different letters. And and I don't want us to just box him in into these letters because I mean, by far the the letters to the bishop, the Archbishop, is the most riveting, and they absolutely you know that that's the that's the meat of it. But there's also letters like the one that I'm going to be reading here in just a minute. It's to a, a, a group of nuns mm-hmm. at, at a at a convent, and it's um, or at a convent. So covet. It's an Eastern Kentucky it's right now, it's one of the can, right can, there, we, can we not skip over the real fact for what you said about the archbishop and his piety previous? Mm-hmm. I think it again sets up that relationship. This was obviously someone that Huss admired. Oh yeah, and was disappointed. Yes, in. and he's like, dude, this is not who you used to be. Mm-hmm. It's like if your favorite. And again, let's parallel that to us. It's man. like if your favorite teacher, the person that you, when they were twenty-seven, you were in their classroom and they were pants on fire. Oh my gosh, preaching, and then you go back in fifteen years later to say hi, and the classroom's a mess, and their desk is a wreck, and they don't even stand up anymore when they teach, and you're like. It's not what I remember here. Yeah, well, and it, and I, I won't go into great detail, but there was a former uh, church leader in my past that was uh-huh. very, very influential in my life. Uh-huh. And, I mean, just one of the roughest times that, that I ever went through um, growing up, 
um, this person was there for me uh, and advanced some years down the road. You know, I've grown up, you know, uh-huh. things like that, but um, they, they've gone on into different areas of life and ministry and stuff. But I find out that this person who I thought so highly of that was just below Jesus himself, basically, yeah. um, had an extramarital affair, had fallen away, was just really not in a good place. Mm-hmm. And, and it was like the Hindenburg coming down. Yeah, it's I mean, world it was, rocking. It's yeah, sh- it was the shattered. Titanic sinking. I mean, it was yeah. just so. So I can I can understand yeah, that totally. Uh, but again, let's you know it, the, the parallels here are not uncommon to what we go through today. They're really not. So this is John Huss's letter to the nuns of and what's labeled as a certain convent, and it's September fourteen oh eight, and he says, "Quote." May it please your husband, the Lord Jesus, to grant us his grace and to strengthen you in your grace and virginity. You have loved him above all others, and that in truth most wisely. For he is a king most wise and most powerful, the wealthiest, the strongest, the altogether lovely, and therefore of all most pleasant. He doeth no violence or wrong to his brides, and bringeth no distress to them. He doth not grow old to them. He never breaketh his troth, neither indeed can he. He will be with them forever, and they will find him ever ready to their desire. And thus each of them shall be filled with the kingdom of heaven. In that kingdom, each man and woman will do his bidding. Each, si- each sister shall have her desire, which can never be for aught that is evil. Ponder this well, dear brides of Christ the glorious King. Forsake him not for any other that is wicked, unclean, base, and defiled, with whom you shall have n- more distress than joy." For if that other is good-looking, you will be afraid of his unfaithfulness. If deformed, if drunken or bad-tempered, or if other evil habits of a devil's life. If offspring be granted to you, there will be misery during pregnancy and in birth and in the training of the child. If barrenness be your lot, there will be disgrace, distress, and an imperfect union. If a child is born, you will have fears of its survival or of its deformity. Who can recount the miseries from which the blessed unwedded wife in Christ is free, and such virginity as his mother's, which is exalted above widowhood and matrimony? The Holy Scriptures bear witness that the angels delight in such a life, and it is to this that Jesus invites us when he says, He that can take, let him take it. St. Paul also used much argument in its favor, Therefore, beloved virgins, brides, and daughters of Christ, keep unspotted for him your virginity, which is the guarding of the will from carnal taint in man or in woman who, like Christ and the virgin, have never yielded to bodily passion. Blessed shall be the celibate and the virgin when by such a life and the keeping of God's other's commands they shall receive their chief crown, to wit their reward in eternal bliss." Strive earnestly for this, even unto death, dear brides of Christ. You shall win this prize of your faithfulness if you hold in the remembrance of the eternal kingdom. Mark the vanity of the world. Beware of evil habits. Keep your heart under by toil. Love not fine dress, and often partake of the body of Christ. I beg you to keep all this well in mind. If God give me leisure and a letter carrier, I will write to you at greater length. I send you a song to chant at the Vespers of the Holy Virgin, so that, as you bethink you of the words, you may have joy in your hearts and make melody with your lips. Chant, however, in such a manner that you will not be overheard by men, for they might cherish evil purpose. 
while you might fall into the sin of pride or of scandal. Master John Huss, a weakling priest. End quote. So here we have John Huss, you know, and, and basically what I see here is, for lack of better wording, man, this is just a cheerleading letter. Yeah, that's what it sounds like completely. He is just saying, hey, what you're doing, keep doing mm-hmm. I know that the I know that the struggle is real, man. You know because and and let's just be honest with this. I mean, he's talking, um, you know, he's talking about bodily desires. He's talking about sexual desires mm-hmm. and a God given sex drive that's mm-hmm. given to every man, woman, child. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we we grow into it. Mm-hmm. And what he's saying here is like, listen, this isn't easy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but here's what you have. Here's the reward of what you're going after. Here's the flip side of that coin. You know, those urges and that desire, all of this, all of this evil doing, all of this, you know. It's even how he ends it. Yeah. It's like all this stuff, you know, here, I'm sending you something to do, but do it in secret because here's where this could even lead. Yeah, yeah. I'm sending you some songs. (laughs) And uh, but hey, lip sync these bad boys. Yeah, right? don't be don't be out there shaking your thing because yeah. you don't want that. Yeah, because we know what happened to Beyonce. <laughs> exactly, exactly. We may have zero people listening now. <laughs> uh, I didn't think you were going there, but I liked it a whole lot that you did. <laughs> I just about hopped up and did the lawnmower. You know where yeah, you pull. You know, uh-huh, uh-huh. we could have done the single ladies dance. Okay. It is a good thing we are an audio yeah, show. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we're not been, a good one at no, that. No, that would have been ugly. That would have been ugly. No, I, I, I just think that it's it tells us, um, you know, it tells us a lot. Um, I'm assuming he's in captivity of some sort here. Uh, in, maybe in, it's captivity to his service because right. where he says, if I'm afforded a letter carrier, yes, I will write more often. Yep. Um, so there's something going on. Either his service has captivated or captured him or... <laughs> Other things, or this letter that just followed a few months previous. Yeah, uh, you know, hey, Archbishop, bit unruly. You know, (laughs) over the summer, the letter got to the Archbishop, and he was like, "Oh yeah, really? You're in such toil, right? Right? Okay." Well, I mean, obviously, we know he's not arrested because we know he. I mean, he has to be. He has has to be summoned to the Council of Constance. Right? Yeah, he's free man when he comes to the Council of Constance, which was what fourteen years later. Fourteen, fourteen. Okay, so ten. So we're dealing with yeah. Um, but obviously, yeah, something num- numbers are hard. Yeah. We're talking about fourteen oh eight, and we go to 14, oh, it is fourteen oh eight. Yeah, I thought it was 14, 1404 is where we established the jump yeah. out. Six so, years from so, then. if there's any office fans out there, then all of a sudden Kevin was like, numbers are hard. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's where we are. I'm definitely not a math teacher, um, but no, I mean, there's something here where his work, his his um, maybe even his person, maybe maybe he is being held. Um, for a short time, maybe he's been summoned to the archbishop's place, and you're going to hang out here for 30 days while we figure out what's going on. You know that that stuff went on all the time. It would have been you know a commonplace thing for him to have been you know summoned to other places to go. So something's going on here, but um, that he finds it in his heart time to sit down and write for other people. To yeah, just screen. just this encouragement, you know, and I just find it. Um, you know, this going back and quoting him, who can recount the miseries from which the blessed unwedded life in Christ is free and such 
virginity as his mother's, which is exalted above widowhood and matrimony. Absolutely. And and I think, you know, you being a married man, Mm -hmm. when you counsel people, you do it from an experience standpoint. Mm -hmm. You look in your life and say, okay, here's how I can, okay, I relate that context. Now I'm going to spit that information back at you. These people (laughs) that sought to be celibate, and especially far off, far for for the people that were living close to Rome, it wasn't about celibacy. Especially the males, they oh yeah, they t- they had they had families. It wasn't a celibate life. And, and let's just put it to you this way: if if you're a Game of Thrones fan, mm-hmm. okay, the one thing that uh, George R. R. Martin mm-hmm. um, will do. Mm-hmm is he tries to get as historically accurate as he can. Mm-hmm. So all of the things that really the only thing that in in those books and in those shows that are really fantastical the dragon. is the dragons and the white walkers. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, Westeros is obviously a... a I mean, it's a fictional sure, land, but sure. I mean, as far as the, uh, no, the, the happenings, right. he actually, history outdoes him. Yep. I mean, he can't even get close to what yeah. history is. So if you're looking at from the standpoint, and, and I get it, I, I, I'm not comfortable with watching uh, most of it, but, you know, you, there's just so much sex in that show. Well, uh, indeed, yes, there is. Yeah. But that was that, that's probably underplaying it yes. as to how the, Absolutely. you know, how history. Absolutely. Well, I mean, being, look. You know, we're G-rated here, so sure. how far do we want to go? But, I mean, femininity and uh, empowering females is a relatively new thing. Uh, in, some, in, somewhat in, agreed. In, just in, from, in, these, yeah. in these cultures that we're dealing with. Yeah, I mean, because I, I, I'm, I'm thinking through the lens of, I believe that the Bible was the, oh, most, no, no, no. Was I, the most liberating book ever for women. It's not been... It's not been Perceived interpreted that through that. No, lens. I agree with you. But, the, but Jesus was the ultimate he, liberator he, yeah, of women because he gave value yeah, exactly. to a group of people yeah. that, and, no, and that I, previously had no value. As a, as a church, we've not done well at representing no, no, no. him. But, 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 but I know what you're saying. But we yeah. don't always do well representing Christ in other forms. Well, speak for yourself. <laughs> no, but um, you know, I mean, I mean, as as people, we know what our urges are. Well, imagine if you had unlimited power unchecked element of power or you were wealthy Mm -hmm. and you could buy whatever you wanted well some of the things you're going to buy involve that and some of the power you're going to expel involves that so like i think it's interesting that these people that the further you went away from rome the more celibate you got Mm -hmm. the the places became more that you when you went to an abbot when you went to a convent they were really celibate um, you know, you had people that fell off that wagon and ended up leaving and went and got married and had wonderful families. But I think what 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 Huss says in that, like, look at these crazy people we deal with from our village and all of these horrible things they're dealing with because of sins of the flesh and sins of the of the jealousy and sins of all this other nature. That aren't you so thankful we don't have to deal with this. You know, who would have delivered all the babies in a village? Those nuns. Yeah. Aren't you so glad you don't have to deal yeah, with, that really, pain? with that pain? Because yeah. let's go let's go another step further. There's another pain associated with childbirth that these women were dealing with, and that was dead babies and dead mothers at ridiculous rates. Horrible. Ridiculous Horrible rates. rates. Yeah. For any of you farmers out there or people who watch farming shows or deal with farm I mean, you know, if you have a thousand head of cattle 
and and 500 of them are going to birth, you're going to lose 20% of that herd just mm-hmm. simply because either, I mean, at, at this time, mm-hmm. you know, you're and, and people were not much different than that. Yeah. Women bled to death during childbirth at ridiculous rates. Children died from a gross just, a just range a of whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And so imagine what those nuns dealt with. Yeah. So I mean, you know, he's like, "Good Lord, aren't you so happy yeah. that we aren't dealing with just those keep, crazy yeah. things?" Just keep that up, but fight those desires because they're there. Because we yeah. know you want to stand up and dance, single ladies. Yeah, but yeah. don't do that. Keep going back there. Okay, so <laughs> we'll, we'll move along there. That's that's going to be a good place to segue. Um, let, let's go into the final letter here uh, that that we'll cover on this episode. And, and really, if we were to you know, explain fully all the circumstances in in regards to what led to this writing. Uh, we're we're here for Dan Carlin length episode, and we're, oh, yeah. we're we're not Dan Carlin. Let's you know we we though we want to be. Oh I mean, yeah, Dan's the man, no doubt. Now this this last letter that we're going to be talking about again, we can't get into the full explanation of it. One of the one of the real. Um, the real driving forces behind this letter is that Huss is beginning to get a little frustrated because the papal schism, <laughs> uh, the great Western schism at the time, is really um, it's really irritating him, and well, he uh, just ahead, just sorry. yeah, I mean, just as everything else, the corruption and and mishandling of things really irritates yes, him. Yeah, because he, it's like, oh my god. Yeah, he's like, just fix this. Yeah, uh, but there's there's a lot of race feuds going on. There's political you know politico oh, religious. Awful. Feuding going on, and uh, okay, well, let's just let's just read the letter, then we'll talk about it a right. little bit. Yeah. But this is uh, John Huss again to his uh, air quote friend, <laughs> the Archbishop of Prague, <laughs> uh, in December 1408, and he starts by saying, "Quote, your humble and dutiful subject, now and forever. It is demanded by our Savior's rule that a father should not proceed rashly to the reprobation of a son unless the son rejects his father's counsel or is clearly convicted. Nor ought the father of the household to drive away from the harvest a son who works unless he first of all clearly knows that the son is minded disgracefully to squander his father's harvest. Thus, in the 16th of Luke, it is shown by our Savior that the rich man did not give up the steward after hearing the charge of wrongdoing brought against him, but wisely summoned him and said, How is it that I hear of this? Give an account of your stewardship. Nor did our Savior forbid a certain man who cast out devils not being his follower from doing so. But rather he desired to lend his authority to such act, for in the ninth of Luke it is written that the disciples said to Jesus, Master, we saw a certain man casting out devils in thy name, and we forbade him, because he followeth not thee with us. And Jesus said to them, Forbid him not, for he that is not against us is for us. Now, most reverend Father, your grace hath been instructed in these examples of our Savior and should not have listened to the infamous charges of jealous men, charges set forth in writing in Latin as well as in the vernacular. You should not have branded me with public insinuations as a disobedient son of our Holy Mother Church, but you should have ascertained the truth and said, How is it that I hear this of thee? If I had been in error, you should have enjoyed a pious correction." 
And if I had failed to give up my disobedience to the Holy Mother Church, you should then have had recourse to suitable measures and declared me as disobedient, and as a matter of expediency have forbidden me to preach the Holy Gospel. Your grace ought therefore to know that it never hath been, nor will be, as I trust in God my intention to withdraw from obedience to the Holy Mother Church. It is my intention not only to obey the Roman pontiff and your grace in accordance with the blessed Peter's command, but also to be subject to every human creature for God's sake, whether it be the king as excelling or to governors as sent by him. Further on, he adds, be subject to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also the forward. See how the apostle of Christ commands obedience to every human creature and to rulers, but obedience for God's sake, and not in the case of the commands that are froward, but those which are lawful and uttered to the praise of God Almighty, to the end that servants may obey their masters and those set over them. What, therefore, the Roman pontiff Gregory Twelfth or the Holy Mother Church, yea, and your grace lawfully enjoins, I will humbly obey. But I cannot engage in controversy to win the greater praise, for our Savior forbade this to his disciple in Luke 12, nor can I set aside with my apostolic Lord in his failure to observe the oath which was sworn, as it were, before all Christendom. For in doing so, I should be acting contrary to Christ, who says in Matthew, Let your speech be yea, yea, no, no. And who says by the prophet, Vow ye and pray to the Lord your God. Therefore, as far as these two points are concerned, the controversy of Pope and anti-Pope and the breaking of oath, I am neutral. But not in the sense of the term is used by the crowd who are ignorant that neutral is a relative term like the simple word from which it is compounded requiring the context of subject matter. Consequently, when the phrase he is neutral is used, it is unintelligible unless the alternatives are added. And it is clearly shown in what respect he intends to be neutral in his support. And further, it does not follow that a third person is neutral because he refuses to obey either of the two others. As, for example, if the mother of Peter quarrels with his father, Peter, as a faithful son, ought to be neutral in his support in the dispute between his father and the mother, while at the same time he ought to obey father as well as mother in matters lawful. Hence, Peter ought not to be neutral so far as obedience is concerned, but only so far as his support in the dispute is concerned. For he ought, as far as possible, to prevent a dispute of this kind. In order that, peace being restored, his father and mother may more securely be united in love and beget brothers for Peter. Furthermore, most beloved and reverend father, my enemies hurl insults at me as they have been wont to do for a long time. I could write of these at greater length, but let this suffice for the present, that if your grace discovers the fault in me, I am willingly, humbly to submit to punishment. Yet I humbly beg for your grace, for God's sake, not to put trust in everyone and not to suspend me from preaching now that you have received this written testimony that I have not departed from obedience to the Roman pontiff Gregory the Twelfth. 
Nay, last Sunday, I publicly said in the pulpit in my sermon that I had not withdrawn from allegiance to my Lord Pope Gregory, but desired to obey the Holy Roman Church and its Lord in all lawful matters. If your grace had known of this, perhaps you would not have placed me in your letters as your first disobedient son, like a mark for the arrow. But I ought to suffer, because the Savior saith, Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. And this reward, may it please our Lord Jesus Christ, to grant to your grace. Amen. End quote. Wow. <laughs> so, John, how do you really feel? Um... Uh, Archbishop, I want to tell you all the things you're doing wrong, why you're doing them wrong, and why you shouldn't be doing them wrong because you know all these other. Oh well, now, gosh, now, man, now it's here. Here's the transition. Here's the shift that's happened mm-hmm. because we've already said that he's yep. been in a little bit of trouble yep. already, and the Archbishop is there to have his back. It's yep. like, okay, no, I still got faith in this guy. He's good. So. You know, John Huss in his first letter that we read earlier was just like, okay, here's what's going on. It, it, you really need to do something about this. You start quit, doing quit turning your eye to it. Don't turn a blind eye. You're doing it and you're endorsing doing it. Please stop that. Now it's become personal. Yep. Because now he is addressing why are you saying these things about? Why are you believing other people? Why are you? Why did me? you not even ask why me? Why are you lining me up in these ranks? When I don't, you know, why you got my name in your mouth, basically. Yeah. When I'm not the one that's your problem. Right. And see, that's the thing is like Huss did not see himself as a problem, however he was for the church. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, like that is, I think that's the be all end all of it right there, Ben, is that you have, there's the schism. The schism exists between the two popes, the, the, the pope in Rome and the antipope in Antioch. But then there's the schism amongst the people who are charged with, what the papal wants on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. You know, am I going to be the rock star priest that tithes my, um, you know, uh, constituents uh, to the nth degree and takes and takes and takes and wears gold and is robed in silk? and Or am I going to be Mr. Piety? Am I going to shirk off the responsibility of indulgences? Am I going to pray without ceasing, without payment? Mm-hmm. And Huss is the latter, and the archbishop has sided with the former people who are trying to live the rock star lifestyle, and Huss is done. Yeah, and just like anyone in authority, anyone today, 99% of them do not like to be challenged. Nope, and, and Huss was favored. At first, mm-hmm. and the archbishop brushed it off at first, but then people kept coming to the archbishop and saying, "Dude, your boy, your boy's doing some stuff that's not cool." Hey, man, that Hus guy—he's not. Whoa, he's a thorn in our side. Hey, archbishop, we keep hearing stuff about Hus. You know, the thing about it is, we're starting to see some knee-jerk reactions yep. going on here. Um, because it, I can almost see the posture of yes. the archbishop when he gets that first letter in June yes. of 1408. And all of a sudden, it, it, it comes as a little bit of an attack. Yep. And he's like, after all, after all I that have I've done, done, for, done you, for you, absolutely, this is the thanks I get, mm-hmm. huh? 
Okay, well, if you want to play that game, well, let's play that. I'm going to start keeping my game. ear to the ground, and when yeah. I st- I'm going to start making mental notes when I hear things about you. Yeah, and, and I'm not going to worry any longer mm. about taking up for you. Not yep. only am I not going to worry about taking up for you, that I'm going to start believing it, and whether I really believe it or not. Yep. That's what. Yeah. That's what's. It's going to be true because once they've stepped out of line this many times, it's just a matter of uh, you know how long before they bite the hand. Yeah. Completely. Yeah. Because if you're going to challenge me like that, yes. then okay. And we have to understand that, like, in our eyes, Huss is the good guy. Exactly. You know? But for, for a lot <laughs> for of people. For them, you know, Huss is the white hat, mm-hmm. and, and, and the archbishop is the black hat. He's the villain, whatever. Yeah. Well, and, it, and it's easy for us to look, again, the history. You know, oh, and we're looking at it we, reverse, we, rose-colored got, glasses. Yeah, sure. we've, got, we've got a lot of time in between there, mm-hmm. but there were... I would say to even a lot of his parishioners. Yeah, I, don't, I don't know if course. I would go. That was some, no, not a lot. No, he was, dude. Yeah. You know he was. Yeah. You know he was for two reasons. For two reasons. Number one, he ain't taxed them to death. Right. They All they got to do is walk down the road to their cousin's farmhouse, who's in a different district, who goes to a different church, whose priest is constantly hitting them up and saying, hey, I need another dozen carrots. Yeah. I need another dozen potatoes. I'm going to need some, I'm, I'm actually going to need some gold coinage this next mm-hmm. time. You mean you can't take vegetables anymore? You've been taking half of our vegetables. Right. Now you're actually going to make gold coinage be happy? And the Husses people are like, man, our dude doesn't do anything like that. Yeah. And then here's the second reason. Because he's probably showing him he actually cares by other means. Because what he is taking in and tithe, instead of putting it on himself, he's sending it back out to the community. Mm-hmm. He's actually shepherding. Yeah. Well, t- shocking enough. <laughs> But that's what I'm saying. Like, so you know, I mean, obviously, there's going to be one or two, dude. You run a church, you know, mm-hmm. you do whatever. I mean, like, you bend over backwards. I've seen it. I've watched it myself. So, you know what that feels like. Mm-hmm. And Huss is going to deal with that, just like every person in leadership is going to deal with that. But can you imagine what those other? I mean, could, I mean, could you imagine worshiping? Worship. I'm gonna air quote worshiping here in a place where the person who comes in front of you. Yells at you in Latin for an hour and a half, dressed in a wardrobe that's worth more than your entire congregation put together. And as they walk out there, there's a group of people that walks with him, keeping the crowd back so they don't get him yeah, dirty. His own little entourage. And, and, and a couple things that, and this is not necessarily side noting, but, but a couple things that I want to make sure that, that yeah. we get in here. Is that one of the biggest problems? You know, I, I mean, Huss is just frustrated here mm, I mean, because we have to look at all of this type of perfect storm yep. type stuff. Because this, these are things like he was talking in that letter to the nuns. They've given their life to this, yes. thing. their entire yes. lives, their entire beings, and, and, everything and, and, they are, right. given up their beings, given yeah, lots completely of their stuff, man. and and all of and now they're seeing the indulgences, they're seeing all of the corruptions, they're seeing mm-hmm. the ties, they're seeing. Um, all of these different things, and and now you add into that, you've got the the, the Western schism. You know, you've got the papal schism, and you've mom, got the mom and dad are fighting. Yeah, and and you know, and, and he's talking about Peter, and you know, and he yes. makes that thing is like, listen, you know, if Peter, if if moms and dads fighting, then he's got to be neutral in the lawfulness thing absolutely of it. Uh, and he's got to but all the time he's still being obedient to sure. both of them sure so and, you can't disregard the antioch pope you can't disregard the roman you have to be obedient to both and then you've got people like us and the nuns who are saying 
I don't know what to do here. Yeah, and they're just caught in between. They're they're the child caught yeah, in between. Because we know what those other bishops and priests are going to do. They're going to follow whatever archbishop says. Yeah. If archbishop says we're going with Gregory the Twelfth in Rome, and that's all we're recognizing, that's what they're doing. Yeah. But Huss is saying, okay, wait a second. The church established another pope in Antioch. Mm-hmm. The church has the Holy Roman See and the Papal State in Rome. You have two popes, therefore I must be obedient to both popes, therefore I must be neutral in what I decided to do in regards if you can if you if you give out uh, what am I trying to say? Like if you have orders that come in contact with one another that 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 overlap and they are counter. Yeah, yeah. They're, How they're, do I operate? Yeah, if I'm well, and, and, and again, you're looking at people who are these are the frontline people. Yes. again, that are that are out there daily every day basis. living this thing, and they're going, I, I don't know what to do. Yeah, somebody just tell me. Yes, somebody just clearly Please. tell me what to do. And then you've got the the corruption and the indulgences yes. and all of that stuff on top of it, and, and he, from both sides. Just, yeah, from yeah, both sides, they're just breaking here. You know the anti. Church was famous for going out and trying to buy loyalties, mm-hmm. and then once they bought loyalties, they used that and to turn people against each other. You brought up race, mm-hmm. you know that's a huge thing for that Balkan, you know, Central Europe thing. Like you turn, you know, ethnic groups against one another, and mm-hmm. that's what that the yeah, because, Antioch, because they're closer to the exactly, melting pot of cultures exactly. here than what they are in Rome, and so they would get all these people hot against Rome, and then they would turn ethnic, you know, culture against ethnic culture, and well, now you're going to get more votes in our in our you know schism versus these people over here because we think they're less than. Mm-hmm. And John Huss is caught in the middle, going, "Dudes, yeah, just, where is just, this in the Bible?" Right, right. And seeing and that's <laughs> and again, just to highlight a couple points of what became the real sticking points. I mean, obviously Huss is not helping his cause here. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's doing what's right. Right. Let's not mistake that. But he's really not helping his cause. The, the main sticking points that, that people, that, that the papal see and that his, you know, the archbishop and all those mm-hmm. above him, what they had against him was a couple of things. Number one was to Huss, the one thing he did agree with, one of the things he agreed with Wycliffe on was the authoritative nature of God's word. Mm-hmm. That, the, that the final authority in all things spiritual was God's word, not the Pope. Right. And he believes Which, that. Uh, yeah. yeah. Just, just go ahead and tighten that noose around yourself. Uh, right. And then another was that he he spoke when he preached. He preached not only in the common language and the common vocabulary of the people and not in Latin. Mm-hmm. But he spoke it with the common vernacular, mm-hmm. which the difference between vocabulary and vernacular is that, you know, it, it, the English language, all words that are English are in the English vocabulary. I, I sat up straight. I was going to try to get very proper with okay. you, Benjamin, <laughs> try to speak yep. in a way that would, would uh, you know, professionalize this work. Right. Because that is, you're, you're, you're looking at vocabulary of all things. In eastern Kentucky, where you and I both reside, yep. there is a very unique... Absolutely. There's a very unique vernacular, yeah. which vernacular is basically the terms of the language that yep. you use on a daily basis. I, I keep going back to Finding Nemo. Yeah. When, um, <laughs> you know, Duke Crush. Duke Crush. You know, and uh, what, what, what was his son's name? Oh, I uh-huh. can't believe it. Yep. Crush's son. 
Squirt. Squirt. There Squirt. You got it. You didn't okay. need to I almost got my Disney license revoked there. But, you know, they're getting ready to get off at the East Australian Current. <laughs> and, you know, and he's like, rip it, roll it, and crush it, dude. You know, and it's yeah. just like Nemo. Or, uh, you know, Marlon. Marlon looks at him and goes, you're so cute. And it's like you're trying to speak to me. I know it, but I can't understand I have, I have what, no you're idea what you're saying. Yeah, uh, totally. But that's we got off on that rabbit trail. Vocabulary and vernacular. Okay, but so it's true. That's, he was he was speaking to the people not only in a language that was not Latin, but it was also a vernacular that was common to mm-hmm. the area. Okay, so Ben, let's try to put it into terms we can understand. Let's take out religion from it for a second. Okay. Probably the most important thing we do on a yearly basis is pay taxes. Yep. I mean, that, like we don't want to end up on the other side of the IRS. So let's imagine we go to our tax preparer, mm-hmm. and they speak ancient Greek. Yeah. Yeah, you're not going to. It's something that's critically important to How you. How comfortable would you feel... About that audit that's coming up. (laughs) Okay, so now, you go go put yourself in Central Europe, and you're not just not you're not you're not uneducated. You're not educated. Mm -hmm. There's not uneducated. It's not like you had a choice. Educated or not? Yeah, you're just not. I mean, you don't know how to write. You don't know how to read. You're completely you're you're dependent on other people to bring you written and and. Written word and spoken word from the written word. Yep. Okay. And somehow you have a grasp that this whole church thing uh, has something to do with your everlasting soul. <laughs> I mean, like for eternity. Yep. Like if you do some stuff wrong, you're going to a place where they're going to torture you for the for eternity. You know? And I'm pretty sure eternity is a long time. It's it, it's a good length of time. And they yell at you in a language that you don't understand at all, and then you walk out of there going, did I, what, huh? Yeah. Am I doing it right? Am I doing it's it wrong? It's just like if yes. I walk out of my tax preparer's office, and they have spoken ancient Greek, not Greek, ancient Greek, mm-hmm. from the time I've walked in to the time I left, and they wrote in ancient Greek as well, so I don't understand the numbers. I, like you said, am I going to feel good about that audit right. coming? Yeah. Well, and, and you know, when we... You know, as we're you know talking about that with vocabulary, vernacular languages, and stuff, here's here's a little bit of the hypocrisy that Huss is is frustrated with. Mm-hmm. The family, the people who built mm-hmm. the church. Oh yes, this is a big point. Yeah, where, where Huss was at, they built it basically with stipulations. Mm-hmm. They said, "Hey, we're going to do this. We're going to provide this. We're going to do the work. We're going to make sure it gets done. Here's our conditions on doing so." One of the conditions, we won't get into all of them, but one of the conditions was that the person who comes in here to pastor this, John Huss, mm-hmm. we want them to speak the local language and we want them to speak in the vernacular of the people. This was something that the Archbishop of Prague signed off Agreed on. Agreed to. Yes. In the charter of this church, when the beginning of the church, that was agreed to and okayed. Yep. It's like, oh, not a problem. You you just make sure you got to say. And again, it's one of those things that that how many times in our in our daily lives have we had people go back on deals? Sure, and and it's like, okay, so why as an archbishop would would I not care to do this? Because it's going to be bringing money into you, okay, man. So there's one reason. So yeah. I've got I've now got a, a a a a line of cash. Yeah. Also, you have your influence 
has expanded. Sure, I've it's, got a new place to go. I mean, I've I've got land. Right, I've and, got a great building. And, and, and let's let's not think that the church is any different from any of the governments. No. That land grabbing. Oh was gosh, huge. massive. But that was what it was all about. And then back the next then. reason I think the most important is because the archbishop can change the rules anytime they want. To. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No problem. This is great right now. So this means you'll sign this over to the church, and we, all we got to do is agree to that. Okay, great. We agree to that for ten years. Yeah. Well, and you will, and and we'll see a little bit later in some of mm-hmm. these other letters that they were completely fine with that mm-hmm. as long as Hus played ball in all the other areas. Yeah, man. Once he started challenging yeah. other areas, then hey, you know what? We can sweep stuff under the rug right. while you're still playing ball. Absolutely. But as soon as you're done, as soon as you stop, oh, hey, we're going to bring that back out. You mean you've been preaching? You've not been preaching? Oh, that's Latin? heretical. Did you not know that? Did you John? not? Hey, what are you doing? And then Huss says, "Well, it's in the charter for this building." Well, a, hey, you know, you had to point out this, this, and this, so we're going to have to point out this, this, and this. Yep. And and again, it goes back that it's what they can and are able to do because of the seat that they sit in. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, all right. Well, that's got us. I, th- I think we'll we'll wrap it up this episode at least right awesome. there. That's gotten us through uh, from June twelve or fourteen oh eight to December fourteen oh eight. We've got some fourteen oh nine, fourteen ten, and and we're doing this all because as you can see, the tension is building. Oh man! I mean, this Rising. is really and it's escalating quickly. Um, you know, and we we look at it. You're thinking, well, maybe you know, six seven months isn't really that quickly. Back then. That That's was a couple rapid. days to us. That was that was three or four emails back and forth a day to Ooh, us. That was rapid. So things are building. We're going to continue to look at that. So guys, we just invite you. Um, we'll we'll get back together as quickly as we possibly can. Get uh, get some other couple letters dissected, and we'll talk about them next time. Beyond the walls. Once again, we'd like to say thank you to our sponsors, the Commercial Bank of Grayson. Since 1891, the Commercial Bank of Grayson has been serving the eastern Kentucky area. They're a member FDIC and equal housing lender. We'd also like to say thank you to McFarland Murray Chevrolet and their continued support of Beyond the Walls podcast. If you are interested in either the Commercial Bank of Grayson or McFarland Murray Chevrolet, we invite you to check them out online. For the Commercial Bank, cbgrayson.com and McFarlandMurrayChevrolet.com. But most importantly, we would like to say thank you to you, our listener. So again, thank you. Connect with us via Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. You can email us at beyondthewallspodcast at gmail.com. We look forward to seeing you again very soon.